Welcome back to another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Derek Terry, joined on the road today by Sean Smith. Sean is heading back home after Kentucky's thrilling 20 to 17 win over Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. Sean, how are you? Doing really good, Derek. Uh, perfect way to start off 2022, especially if you're listeners of this podcast. Uh, I know those listeners are feeling really good today. Oh, have to. Yeah, I mean, maybe not so good this morning, right? But, uh, you know, once uh, once 1 o'clock rolled around, Kentucky got out to a 13-3 lead today before seeing that lead uh, go away. They actually trailed late in the game, of course, and uh, really, in some ways, Sean, I want to say improbable when with how the momentum was going on that game, uh, we'll get into all the specifics, but uh, both teams really kind of had a skeleton crew today. Iowa's top running back was out. Right before the game, uh, Kirk Ferentz announced that uh, one of their best wide receivers like either had a kidney stone or had his appendix rupture in the middle of the night, so like, he was unexpectedly lost for the game. Um, and then for Kentucky, I mean, just a laundry list of guys who were out. I mean, really a uh, a stunning list of guys who played big roles this season who were not available for this game. Yet UK persevered through it, uh, came up with an 80-play drive in about a minute 43, I think. Let me see. Yes, one minute and 43 seconds. They got the ball with 148 left in the game. Or sorry, 331 left in the game uh, and scored a touchdown after a phenomenal play by Wondell Robinson, got him down to the one. Had a uh, – How many plays was that drive? It was eight plays. Um, eight plays. Yeah, eight plays. And after a false start from Austin Dotson, Chris Rodriguez just kind of willed himself into the end zone on one of those runs. And that's that. DeAndre Square ended up getting the game-winning interception on the next drive. But Sean, what a what a remarkable way, I guess I would say, to close up this season. Kentucky beat a top fifteen team and a team that played for the Big Ten title without a lot of core guys, which made it really impressive. And when Iowa took the lead there in the fourth quarter, I, I didn't think Kentucky was winning the game. And, you know, they had the fourth and one there where Iowa tried to get them on the hard count and they ended up deciding to punt. And before that, it really didn't feel like Kentucky was going to find a way until that play with Wondell Robinson. And then that's when you're like, all right, this, this is going to happen again. But then they left quite a bit of time and a defense that was just depleted with injuries and COVID protocol and everything else that's gone on this season in the last few weeks, they, they found a way and Deandre square fitting, right? He's hurt. Wasn't supposed to go back in, decided to get his helmet. He goes on the field and comes up, comes up with a huge INT to secure the win a four straight win. And the storylines kind of wrap themselves in this game. Kentucky now has the longest non-conference winning streak in college football. Iowa was tied with them entering that game. So uh, a lot of storylines coming out of this one. Yeah, no question about it. You mentioned DeAndre Square. Uh, that was a rather stunning story to me, honestly, to hear that after the game. that He was rolled out and was basically talked back into playing by his teammates. And, I mean, yeah. they were one play away. I think uh, Marquand McCall, I don't know if he was really hurting or if he just cramped or whatever it was, but he went down on a play. And Luke Fulton ran onto the field. I don't think he played a snap this season that was, you know, not in garbage time. So that's how close they were to playing guys today. I mean, you had at, at all – I wouldn't say at all times, but often in that second half, you would have at least two guys at a time 
playing who guys who are like actually in the transfer portal right now. Katie McDaniel and Isaiah Gibson got quite a bit around that game, and neither one of those guys are, will be at Kentucky next season. So that kind of tells you a little bit about how Kentucky's day was going. Uh, just as a, a real quick recap of the guys who who did not play, because whenever I think whenever you read this out, it really you know kind of puts it into perspective. These are just guys that um, not even. There, there are more, but this is just for this game. These are the guys who like played against Louisville but did not play today. Cavassier Smoke, Josh Ali, Josh Pascal, JJ Weaver, Trevin Wallace, Marquez Bimbry, Dare Rosenthal, and Isaiah Epps. So that's not even counting guys like Octavius Oxendine, uh, um, offensively Eli Cox, a guy who got hurt this season. I mean, they were played all year. Yeah, they were down a lot of guys today. So uh, the way I was thinking about it during the game, and I, I was saying about riding this win or lose, but especially in the time of COVID, these bowl games are just not a reflection of how strong a, a team has been. I mean, we've seen it all through bowl season, if you've watched it. Guys opting out, it's become a trend in recent years. Um but even more than the opt-out, like Kentucky, I don't think actually had an opt-out. The, the situation around Dare Rosenthal was kind of interesting. Just listening to Stoops talk about it. I don't want to say he was an opt-out, but it seemed like it would have been pretty easy for Stoops just to say he was a health and safety protocol guy if it was COVID. And he just kind of talked around it and said he had like a nagging injury. And then he had some other issues is the way he phrased it. Um, so all these guys that missed were either injured or were out because of COVID. So you're talking about probably what four or five guys today that missed because of a positive COVID test. I just don't yeah. know how much you can look into, like, neither team today was anywhere near full strength. So I kind of look at it, if you're Kentucky, it's great for the narrative that you had, you're had you playing a lot of guys who are not used to playing in moments this big, and you find a way you know, to beat a, still beat a quality team. But I think if you're Iowa, you know, you're feeling the same way, though, right? Like, that was not your – that's that was not the Iowa team at full strength that won the Big Ten West. So I, that's just a thought. I love the bowl games. I think the Citrus Bowl has been a great event. But I think more and more going forward, it's just really – it just feels like a totally separate thing now than, than anything that has to do with the regular season. Yeah, it's it's so hard to take a lot of, of weight from bowl games. But the, the biggest thing, though, is Kentucky gets to use this now as a positive. Uh, mm-hmm. Another offseason full of momentum going into the winter here and into the spring. And – and two, the, the cool thing about it, Derek, is Wondell Robinson was kind of a national spotlight guy today, especially yep. in that fourth quarter. You saw a lot of national media guys tweeting and talking about him. Uh, maybe guys that hadn't turned on Kentucky as much this year. They, they got a chance today on ABC to, to, to watch him. And I just think that sells your program moving forward even more. You're going to have a quarterback in Will Levis coming back again next year. Let's let's say that Wondell decides in a few days or weeks to, to declare for the draft and not come back. It has to look good to recruits and to transfer portal targets that a guy like that was making plays in a in a big time bowl game on New Year's Day. Oh, no question. I, I gotta think his story. I mean, it probably already helped with Ta- uh, Tavion Robinson coming in here from Virginia Tech. But you know, Kentucky wants one more wide receiver from the portal, and you know, Levis is going to be back. And you've got that tape of Wondell Robinson, who's going to be a draft pick. This I I put it at zero percent chance that he comes back. I just, I mean, uh, I don't know how much this got out there. I've not really read too many stories since I got back to the hotel. 
But Liam Cohen, I believe, said something like he didn't even really have to play today to prove himself, which tells me that no one there at UK is expecting him back. I think they were just and grateful he, that he wanted to play. And he broke a record. He Not only is he the single-season receptions record holder, but he's now the single-season uh, receiving yards holder. Ask Craig East. I mean, what more does he have to do right. other than to come back and try to take Kentucky a little bit further? But he's he's done everything for this team. And uh, – what an unbelievable talent. It's only one season. I know I tweeted out today. I think he was already there, given the moments that they had this season. But he cemented himself in that legacy of legends that can be mentioned with the Lynn Bowdens, the Josh Allens, the Benny Snells, uh, with that performance and stuff today. And uh, only one season, Derek. But he, I think you make a case that he's one of the top five most talented guys that played there. Yeah, I mean, few, if any, uh players have ever been as dynamic with the football at the University of Kentucky as when Wandell got it. I mean, just a joy to watch, really. Um, the way everything worked out, you know, he came back. They had, Kentucky had a great season, one of the best seasons in school history. Like you said, he set uh, two records for uh, receptions in the single season and receiving yards. And, I mean, he had to put on a good performance day to get it. That was a good Iowa defense they were playing today. And to have 170 yards on 10 catches whenever you know. I mean, Josh Ali is not out there. Isaiah Epps, yeah. who is, you know, has pretty minimal numbers, but is still an experienced guy, not out there. I mean, they, they had important plays in the fourth quarter. There was one drive. I tweeted about it. Chris Lewis was playing in his fourth game this year, and he could preserve his red shirt. It was Chris Lewis, Chauncey Magwood, and Isaiah Cummings with, with Wondell Robinson out there. Now, Cummings has made some plays. You feel pretty confident in him. But Magwood and Lewis are two guys that are still trying to prove themselves. I mean, Lewis, especially Lewis, you got to think Lewis had played against Louisville, Chattanooga, or not Chattanooga. Uh, they didn't beat Chattanooga by enough for him to play that game. Uh, Louisiana Monroe and New Mexico State. And he, had, he hadn't had a ball thrown to him all season. And he's out there getting targets in the fourth quarter. So that kind of tells you uh, how things were going today, kind of how deep into the bench UK was. Um, and and, and one of the uh, Do what? And Wondell gave his body up like he always does. Oh, God. Yeah, he got I mean, marked a few times. The, the catch that he made in the first half was incredible, but I thought the one that he held on to there late in the fourth quarter was even bigger. Just, I mean, just an unbelievable play. I mean, it was uh, – I don't know what else you can say about Wondell, honestly. I know the way his recruitment went down, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I, I would go on the record saying that I thought it was probably – for as much flack as a guy like Damian Harris got from UK fans, you know, the whole Wandell situation was, was way worse, I thought. But I still am in the camp of, you know, I, I truly felt like Wandell wanted to be at Nebraska. But, you know, he came in the portal, and people forgot about that real quick. I mean, the season he had, I think Wandell, you know, it's just it worked out great. I mean, he couldn't really – I don't think he could have scripted it any better for Wandell coming to Kentucky. You know, he was only most likely here for one year, but his his impact, there's no doubt in my mind, that's going to be a selling point. It probably already was a selling point, honestly, for guys like Barry on Brown, guys like Dan Key, and whoever else they may get from the portal. Um, let's talk a little bit about the first half. Two two big drives that maybe you got to give Iowa credit, and this is probably why the game had to come down to what it did. But Kentucky was pretty much rolling in the first half, Sean. They, they had a 13-play, 80-yard drive to start. And uh, Levis goes six for six for 41 yards. He finds Chris Rodriguez out of the backfield for a touchdown. And then Kentucky gets another punt. And then they go three and out. Kentucky went three and out. But that was really the only bad drive. They end up having a 14-play drive after that. But 
they get inside the 10 and they have to settle for a field goal. Can't punch it in. Next drive for Iowa. Jordan Wright gets his hand on the ball. It gets tipped up in the air. Derek Jackson comes down with it. You start on the 31-yard line. Again, you get down to the Iowa 10 and ends with another field goal. Those two drives right there, Sean, if they're able to punch that in, they're up 21-3 at okay. halftime probably. And maybe getting you don't the ball. Get in situation. Yeah, getting the ball back. So maybe you don't get in that situation. But, you know, it was 13-3 to and really give a lot of credit to Iowa. They were very physical coming out. And, again, they were facing, you know, a Kentucky defense that was – I mean, they were – from watching a Kentucky game, I can't remember them ever getting that thin. Um, you know, they saw some quality players on the field, but I was – you were sitting next to me in the press box. Uh, there were two guys who I think were college kids who I think were from Florida. I, I, don't, I don't think they were even – I think they were just like the local guys covering the game. And they were talking about Kentucky's defense, and I was telling them that, like, at that point, I was t- counting it out. There were four guys who were starters on UK's defense. I believe I have them yeah. in tonight. Jordan Wright, Marquand McCall, and then the two safeties, Ty Asian and Yusuf Corker. And that was the play that they actually scored on, on the screen pass <laughs> to Sam Laporta to take the lead. So, I mean, it was bare bones out there. And even depth guys, a guy like Trevin Wallace, who's probably going to be a starter next year, wasn't able to play. So, you're having to play Martez Thrower, who did burn his red shirt this year and had played a little bit. They like him a lot. But still not a guy you probably want to be relying on. So... I mean, give Kentucky credit because they were really up against it, and they forced two three-and-outs when they had to have it. When they were losing 17-13, this defense came out and forced two three-and-outs. Those two drives lasted a combined one minute and 43 seconds. And then, of course, they got the pick. So, yeah, they were on the ropes there in the third and fourth quarter. But when that group had to make plays, they rose up. And I thought that was one of the more encouraging things from that game. Oh, absolutely. It was because, like I told you, I – I never felt like once Iowa got the lead that Kentucky was going to get it back. One, Levis did not look comfortable. Uh, I know we talked a lot in the press box. The, the pressure got to him. The Some of the holes on the offensive line and, and, and those things, and you could tell that he was getting sped up. His feet were getting quick again. But then they they made plays down the stretch. He went to his guy one day to play, and then Rodriguez punched it in there at the end. Uh, and then Kentucky had those opportunities on the other drive where they turned out, turned over on downs where they had the the option to hand it off to Rodriguez and Levis decided to keep it on third and two and then they went with McLean on fourth down and uh, that that's when I thought Kentucky was going to lose the game was at that moment I didn't think with the way the defense looked gassed uh, the way that they were thin with numbers and then after that momentum shift I thought no way Kentucky wins this game but. I didn't think they were going on the belt goal either a couple of years ago. And then Lynn Bowden throws a touchdown pass to Josh Ali. It's it's pretty remarkable, this stretch of four straight bowl wins, what, what all has happened, the guys that have had to come up and make plays. It's been their best players, but it's also been some guys that have kind of not been their best players that have come up with huge plays the last four years. Yeah, no question about it. I was thinking the same thing. I mean, just some uh, – just some – Really, more so, not not so much last year or the Citrus Bowl. The Citrus Bowl did get exciting with Penn State making a comeback there in the fourth quarter, but you kind of felt like, at least from my memory, you kind of felt like Kentucky still had it, um, but it, it definitely did get dicey there. But the Belk Bowl in particular, I mean, Kentucky had a over an eight-minute drive with a wide receiver at quarterback throwing a touchdown pass to win. And then uh, last year, you know, they played pretty well 
not not the most exciting game against NC State, but uh, they, they come away with the win there. But today, yeah, today was just – I mean, I don't know if your Iowa – it probably doesn't sit well with fans that the one guy on Kentucky's team that could really hurt you gets free for 52 yards and kind of beats you right and, there. And the one guy that they know, right? Right. Played in the Big Ten, played in that, in that rivalry, Nebraska and Iowa. And uh, I heard – actually, I was getting in the elevator to go down to the post-game press conference, and there were Iowa fans in there. And this this older man, he was so upset. He just kept saying, he goes, how do you leave the best player on the field wide open in that spot? And he said, to beat it all, he said, it's a guy that you know is the best player on the field. He said, you've known him for three years. Like, they, they, were, they were devastated that he was the one that beat them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's go some team notes here um, for Kentucky. You're mentioning, you know, UK in close games. Um, and you'll find a way to win some of these thrilling games. How about this stat? Since 2016, UK is 20 and 8, which is a 71% winning percentage in games decided by seven points or less. And they went 5 and 1 this season. And of course, the only loss came to Tennessee at home. So they were pretty good overall in uh, those games, in those close games. And Here's your magic number, I guess, if you're, you know, UK. 30 points. If you're if you can hold a team under 30 points, there's a good chance Kentucky's gonna win. UK went 10 and 0 this season when keeping opponents under 30 points. And they've actually won 12 in a row uh, while holding opponents under 30. Some more notes. Uh wanted to bring up Will Levis, who that last drive really helped his numbers because he ended up finishing today 17 of 28 for 233 yards. I uh, threw one touchdown and one interception, but the one interception really wasn't a bad read on his part. It was a fourth down Iowa brought an all out blitz. He had to get rid of it and they picked it off. So not really what I'd hold against him, but he finished the season. I think, you know, even better than I thought he would 2,826 yards and 24 touchdowns. He did throw the 13 interceptions, but again, some of those weren't his fault. Some were, uh, and that'll be, a, I mean, you'll definitely want to see that number lower next year, but, I mean, I think if you would have been told in the preseason that Levis would throw nearly 25 touchdowns and almost 3,000 yards, I mean, that that would have been a, a, a great preseason. Uh, you'd be feeling good about Kentucky's season if you knew you're, that you were going to get that kind of quarterback play. Yes, especially when you add in what he did on the ground as well. And you saw him make some of those plays today. And in the last four to five games of the year, I think that's where he really made a difference offensively is when they started using his legs in addition to his arm. But – yeah, and that, that interception that you're talking about there, uh, it was a it was big for field position. It gave Kentucky about an extra 15 yards instead mm-hmm. of uh, Iowa getting the ball around midfield. They got it uh, on down 
in uh, in Iowa territory instead of near Kentucky territory. And then that was the play, obviously, for the drive where Iowa had to punt after they tried to do the hard count. But I thought I thought that was big. And even Mark Stoops mentioned that in the post-game press conference, that it gave them some extra room and stuff for, for field position battle and field position that they needed on that final drive. Uh, what did you think about the pass interference flag that Wondell Robinson drew? I know Iowa fans were looking for one uh, on their drive as well, but that was a big play. I never saw a replay for it. I, I did think in real time, which, again, sometimes on the replay you can see things that I can't see from where I was sitting. I, I thought it was a tough call against Iowa. Um, I, from what, and it came was, from a long distance, it too, did. didn't it? I mean, that, the yeah. official was like 35 yards deep behind the play. And it didn't end up hurting Iowa, I guess. I mean, because I think that was the drive they got the interception, right? Or they got stuffed on fourth. It down. was. It wasn't the game-winning drive. Um, but yeah, I thought that was tough for her. Excuse me for Iowa having a coffin fit. Um, that was that a third down when that play happened. It was. It was. Yeah, it? it was. Yeah, it would have been a so, so big for it was big for field position because Kentucky was able to get the ball you know, up to the 50 at that point. I think they would have been punting from inside the 20 had they not had that play. Yeah, I think these numbers might be off right here because for some reason Chris Rodriguez is listed twice, and I don't want to do the math real quick, but I'll, I'm thinking, do you know how many yards Rodriguez finished with this season? It's looking like it was over 1,400. Is that wrong? It, I believe that is correct, right? The so UK is at him listed twice on here for some reason, and I'm just trying to do some rough math in my head. So, if I'm reading this right, Sean, he only lost 13 yards the whole season on rushes. I mean, that's impressive. Uh, and last year, he had that crazy stat where he, like, what, he got hit for a loss on his very first carry at Auburn and then didn't have another rush for loss the rest of the year. He finished with 107 today on 20 carries. Yeah, and one uh, touchdown and rushing and one receiving. And he's a record record holder himself. I think that was his ninth 100-yard rushing game of the season, which is a single-season record for UK. I mean, that's just records falling left and right. Well, which is pretty, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I expect him to come back next season too. So we'll see uh, what he ends up deciding. So. If he decides to come back, how far is he from being the overall rushing leader in UK history? I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I think uh, it is certainly going to be a realistic goal. Like, I think he would probably get it if he stayed healthy. Um, he, he feels like the kind of guy you can bank on, you know, getting at least 1,200 yards for you. you know, Absolutely. You know, if you play 13 games next year then I, I think he would probably get it. But I don't have those um, – I don't have the exact number directly in front of me. Well, let's talk about and, some off-season things, Sean, unless you got something else you want to add from the uh, Citrus Bowl. No, the only thing I was going to add is, you know, it was good for Jatal McLean to get some some snaps and get the, the opportunities he did today. And then how about Chauncey Magwood, a guy that, that we've been talking about? No, he wasn't able to bring that play in. I've got two pictures, though, that Keely oh, took of that play. And he – that was actually an incredible play to even have the opportunity that he had on it. He just was not able to control it through the ground. But my goodness, he almost he, – he showed why they, they blocked him so much this year. That was a very athletic-looking uh, attempt. Like you said, I mean, he just barely didn't hold on. But 
just showing, and I know, you know, people say, you know, in, in the stat book it went down as nothing besides the target, but that athleticism, you feel like you can work with that, you know. He didn't get a ton of opportunities this season. He had to play a lot today, didn't get a ton of targets. Um, but next season is going to be different. You're not going to have – I think Tavion Robinson can be a number one wide receiver. I think he could be a very good player for Kentucky. I think he's um, he's one of my favorite additions. I think getting a kid like that who had been that good at Virginia Tech to come in already, I think that's a great kind of cornerstone to have in your receiver room. But I don't think he's going to get 100 <laughs> catches next season. You know, he's not the same kind of player as Wandell. Wandell, you could get the ball in so many ways. Tavion's a little bit different. He's a little bit more of a traditional slot guy. So I think what I'm trying to get at is, you know, I would think Levis will will spread it around much more. And part of that is I think Levis is going to understand the offense so much better next year. The spring practice for him will be huge, not in the sense of, you know, competing for a spot. I mean, he's, he's going to be the starting quarterback next year. But continuing to learn that offense and having guys like Dan Key, uh, Tavion Robinson, um, you know, Magwood uh, is one guy. Chris Lewis is going to be here. DeKel Crowder should be healthy. I mean, you're going to have a lot of those wide receivers that you're going to be counting on next season. They're going to be here uh, or should be here in the spring. So I think kind of building that and, and keeping Upshaw, I don't really know what Upshaw's recovery plan is. You know, you're not going to you know, go balls to the walls with this guy in, in spring practice, but I would think he's close enough to probably getting out there a little bit this spring doing some things. So guys like Isaiah Cummings too. I mean, to me, Sean, when you're looking ahead to next season, you have a lot to be excited about at re- at really receiver. And they need to add somebody at receiver um, for sure. They need to add somebody else from the portal. But in general, I think you like what you have. You like the potential. If I'm, I'm assuming Rodriguez comes back, you know, you mentioned McLean. I think Lavelle Wright could be a very good player next year. Yeah. I mean, then potentially Cavassi Smoke. I have no idea what Smoke's plans are. Um, but I think he showed you today that, you know, McLean and Rodriguez is a pretty good one-two punch if you need it. But I'll tell you something else that today you kind of saw. No Darian Kennard, no Luke Fortner, no Darren Rosenthal for next season might be a little bit scary on that offensive line. It, yeah, it, it is. Uh, you definitely saw it make an impact today because that Iowa pass rush was was definitely disruptive and it got to Will Levis. And I think Six that's sacks. why you kind of saw the Yeah, and that's why you saw the offense kind of sputter a little bit was uh, every time that – I mean, you saw Will Levis get a little bit frustrated as well because yeah. there there were plays where he had guys open. I know the red zone play there, uh, the third and goal, Rig actually came open on the same play that they ran on at Georgia and scored, but Levis didn't see him because he had uh, guys in his face pretty quick, and then he, he took off running. Uh, but you're going to have to do something at that spot. That's, a, that's an area where Kentucky's been very good at for a long time now, and, I mean, I trust them to – to get it figured out, maybe that be a, a portal guy or development within the program, but that that is definitely going to be an offseason storyline, I believe. Yeah, I mean, really at every position, you know, I can talk about a guy like Jagger Burton. I, I feel like he'll probably have every opportunity to be a starter next year, but and well, actually, I don't know how many games he played in this year either, so I don't want to say that for sure. Because he might have been a guy who couldn't play today. I don't know. I don't know how many games he played. Let me put it this way. If he was a guy who could have played without burning his red shirt, you know, it would have been asking a lot of him to go in there today, I think. So I don't I don't want to say it's some huge referendum on him. But you're talking about a guy next season you might be counting on a lot who they weren't quite comfortable putting in today. 
And that's nothing against Jagger. It's very difficult for any true freshman to uh, hold up against what they were seeing today. But if he's a guy you're going to be counting on next year, you know, you, you might have a little learning curve there early in the season. It's good that they're going to have uh, Eli Cox back. You'll get Kenneth Horsey back. I, I don't, I don't want to say one way or the other and what that means for Horsey. You know, he started at left tackle today. He, he didn't do great. But, you know, none of those guys really performed all that well today, to be honest with you, in the uh, in the past game. But w- one of the things I think maybe to be considered, too, it doesn't mean that things won't change. But, you know, these young guys, DeAndre Buford um, is, is what got, stands out to me, someone in the second year who I thought might have a chance. You know, he didn't really – he didn't really get any snaps this season. They had times this year where Dare Rosenthal would go down with an injury. Kennard got nicked up at times, had to come out. You know, they kind of just did patchwork stuff. They didn't really play any of those young guys. So, you know, I'm looking at that offensive line spot for sure, especially if Rosenthal, you know, chooses not to come back. If you're having to replace him and Kennard, I think, Sean, honestly, even more than a spotlight cornerback or outside linebacker with the pass rush, I, I think the tackles might be the biggest storyline going into next season. I mean, you, you've got to have those positions yeah. figured out if you're gonna if you're gonna take advantage of that skill position that they have next year and and have Levis out there. Like you've got to be able to protect them. You you want your quarterback to be comfortable, and then uh-huh. more importantly, you want him to be healthy and stay healthy. So that that's going to be a big position of need and, and development wise, and they, they need to get that cleaned up and shored up going into next year. Uh, but there's there's quite a few storylines that we're going to be following throughout the, the winter and the spring, especially, like you mentioned, the secondary and all the help that they need there. What do they do with the wide receiver? You know, they'd like to get another one in the portal. And then, uh, like you said, with the offensive line there and then whatever happens with Darryl Rosenthal and that decision, uh, definitely some big-time storylines coming. Uh, the biggest thing, too, would, would be Will Levis. you got a quarterback coming back next year that you feel really good about. I think it's been a while since Kentucky's had a guy coming back that you felt good about his arm talent and his potential to be even better than what he was the previous season. I think it's been a while since they've had that. And you would expect Will Levis to take a step forward and be even better next year, see that some of those interception numbers go down and maybe those touchdown numbers go up. Yep. No question about it, Sean. Well, safe travels to you heading home. I'm looking forward to getting back to Kentucky tomorrow. This weather down here has been great, but looking forward to getting back to Lexington. He's Sean Smith. I'm Derek Terry. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you next time.